Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Joining me today on the show is a two-time Olympian from Sydney and Athens, being a part of the Sid, uh, silver medal relay team from Sydney in 2000. Uh, she came through in a golden era for Australian swimming and definitely left her mark as one of the best and fan favourites. She went on to medal at World Champs, Com Games as well, until moving into a career in media, guest speaking roles, as well as starting an awesome initiative called Queenhood all about empowering and encouraging women. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Elka Whalen. Elka, how are you? Thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's always refreshing, isn't it? Um, I could say the same back to you as well. Everybody has an amazing bio and it's just remembering, I guess, what your purpose is inside. So, you know, you don't walk around often saying those bios. So when you hear it, it's really humbling. So thank you. <laughs> you are most, most welcome. Now, for all the listeners out there wondering, yes, uh, Elka was formerly Elka Graham, but, you know, since her days in the pool, obviously, now married four-time Olympian uh, in his own right, uh, Tom Whalen. So just a bit of a history lesson there for everyone who didn't know. I'm assuming most people by now Elka do know, but we do have a lot of listeners from overseas who listen in and they'll be like, Elka, I know an Elka Graham. So I just yes, chuck it out Yes, and look, that, that happens so much. And good on you for bringing that up as well. What's really interesting is um, I was so excited to marry my husband, Thomas, and I just couldn't wait to change everything, Medicare card, driver's license, everything. And I was very much so, you know, being traditional like my parents and becoming Elka Whalen and not keeping Elka Graham. And I remember even my dad said and my management, my um, my agent said, oh, not a good move, not a good move. You want to keep your brand and your name. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you've got to be bigger than the black line. Line. And I think what I also had going for me is that Elka is such a unique name. So I don't even have a middle name. So I knew someone knew swimming was either going to be, they knew it because of Elka Graham. So no, I was happy to change to Elka Whalen. <laughs> Mind you, when I'm still signing autographs or people come up and say Elka Graham, I don't even change it. And I still write Elka Graham because that's yeah. who I was when I was swimming. Absolutely. Now you mentioned earlier in a voice message this morning that you're doing some homeschool with the kids during lockdown. How's that going for you? I'm pretty fortunate. My daughter, Charlie's only two, nearly turning three. So, I mean, the homeschool we're doing is like, you know, remember blocks and all these sorts of different stuff. <laughs> it's not that hard. How hard is it doing homeschool? Yeah, well, I mean, we're actually quite similar because our youngest just turned four. So I get that whole toddler stage and it's actually a tricky stage, isn't it? Because mm. they're not a baby baby anymore and they're ready to be inquisitive and they're ready to learn. So it's, yeah, it's doing the Duplo and the Lego and the lots of paper of drawing. And then we have play school time. And so, yeah, look, she's a juggle in her own right. But we have four beautiful children, two boys and two girls, an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 7-year-old and a 4-year-old. So, um, look, it's going really well. I just tell the children then I just this is my podcast room just here and my husband's actually upstairs and he's recording another one in half an hour and we've just said to the children hey these are the blocks today that you've got to do your homework but for the most part it's been really great I like it in the best way possible 
particularly our boys. I like um, dogs in terms of they need to be taken out two or three times a day just to run and get some fresh air. Um, So, look, we've been doing that. And to be honest, just the slowdown has been welcomed. It's been really lovely. I think I did 87 days of homeschooling last year in the first lockdown, so you Mm. kind of get used to it as well. And I'm actually a really big introvert. So just the six of us being together, nobody can come to your house, you can't go to anyone else's house has been really welcoming. So you're loving it. <laughs> to some degree, yes, I am. Yes. But obviously I understand the need for connection, for mental health for so many yeah. people, for the community aspect. And and obviously, you know, the children thrive on being around their friends as well and going back to school and all that will come again. But um, I'm looking at this as an opportunity and working with them on things that they need to get better at and the things that they're good at, we just look at that activity and we move on. So um, I'm enjoying being a pretend teacher. <laughs> well, it's a great point you make. And I think, um, you know, to your point with the podcast and with other people doing stuff, I think this sort of lockdown is all about what you make of it. We can all just sit on the lounge and, and you know, cry about what we can't do or we can yeah. take into our own hands what we can do and start looking positively and doing it. So you know, look at us here. We're we're not in the same room. We're not in the same place, but we're still connecting. We're still having a chat, Absolutely. having a laugh. So there's Absolutely. ways to do it. Yeah, so true. Now, obviously, um, you know, obviously a positive with this lockdown and other positives that we're all going to be home to watch the Tokyo Olympics. We're not getting bothered by work and people saying you have to stay back even though I was going to leave pool deck early anyway to make sure I was home to, to watch the heat starting at 8 o'clock for everyone listening. Um, so what I thought we would do is just play a, a little game of like it, don't like it. I'll throw out some uh, some quotes, some statements for you to, to have a, a listen to and then you tell me, if, you know, if you like it, don't like it and why. Uh, so okay. the first one is Aussies pulling out of events. So we know Emma McKee and Kyle Chalmers pulled out of the 200. They won't be racing. We also know um, that you know other Aussie athletes have been put into events that they might not have qualified for uh, at trials. I think some of them became you know fourth uh, and are still being put in to race it. Like it? Don't like it? Uh, look, it's a great question, and it's um, a question that I could actually go both sides on, but nobody likes listening to a podcast and someone playing the diplomatic. So I will be answer- honest and say I like it, and I would probably also say that because from experience that actually happened to me. So my pet event, my favourite event um, in 2004 was the 200 freestyle. I ended up coming third. It was very, very tight with two obviously Australians ahead, one of them being Katria Thomas. I'd already qualified for the 400 freestyle and relays, but as we got over there and just before camp, Patria really wanted to focus on the 100 butterfly, so it meant I got to step up and swim in the 200. And it was amazing for me. I was ready. I was fit. It was an opportunity given to me. I actually ended up missing the final. I got ninth, world's worst position. Um, And the girl that just scraped in, in eighth, who was in lane eight, ended up winning it. So I like it because all the athletes are at a stage now where they're so incredibly fit. For Patria Thomas, she obviously wanted to concentrate on a 100 fly. And, I mean, who doesn't remember that race? She ended up paying off with her and she won. And with Emma, she's so talented and the same with Kyle as well. So they've just probably gone, you know what, this is what we're going to do. The downside of that, if you want to talk from an athlete's point of view, is they are then putting all their eggs into that one basket. Mm -hmm. But it's something that they need to be comfortable making and they wouldn't have made it by themselves. They would have made it with their coach. They would have really thought about it. Um, And also a lot has changed. I mean, as you know, and as the, the media are seeing as well, and for the public listening as well, 
These are such different games. They're going to be such different games. This is one of our smallest teams sent off, 33 swimmers. You know, I went across both Olympics with over 40. So I do. I do like it. Now, the next one is Aussies going in as favourites. We've all read over the past few days the big medal predictions from these games. I've also heard from a few American podcasts that they're predicting the Aussies to do really well, but they always like to do that because then it plays them as the underdog and they love that part of it as well. But there's no doubt coming off trials, we had some really good performances. The other thing that plays into our hands, uh, Elka, is that it was only an eight-hour flight and it's relatively the same time zone over there as well. I think it's an hour difference. The hype going into it for the Aussies. Like it? Don't like it? Um, I don't like it. I've never been a fan of medal predictions. I was blown away. I was in Adelaide myself working there and we took our, our youngest son to watch the trials. And I couldn't believe every night if not a world record was being broken, a Commonwealth record, a Australian record, they were swimming fast. But we have to remember that was only 35 days ago. The trials and the com competition time are very close. So it actually, again, for the public listening, um, there's a word that we use called taper. It's when you slow down your swimming but concentrate on the short sprints and refining everything. And it's then getting you rested to perform again. So it's definitely, without a doubt, there's no hidden truth to it that to taper twice and very quickly is really hard. You're either going to miss it or you're going to be on it as well. So I've never liked medal predictions, no, because I think sometimes the ones that do the best are the ones that are just super quiet, under the radar. And look, we love the Americans. We say that, you know, they're, they're big talking and they play the underdogs, but we know that they swim fast, but there are so many other countries swimming fast as well. So that one, I do not like. I've got to agree with you. I was talking to Bobby yesterday. We were talking about the women's four by one. And obviously that's coming in with a lot of hype. I think the all four girls that are going to race, you know, went under 53 at trials, which is unheard of. Fine. I don't want to talk it up that much because we remember 2012 and we remember the men going in with all nicknames and, you know, here's the missile and, and here's the rocket and here's all these things. And it just didn't come off. Unfortunately, we know a lot, a lot of other stuff went into that as well. But from a media perspective, I don't like it as well. I, I think let's just let the girls do their job and uh, their swimming will do the talking. Totally as well. And, you know, again, being in that myself as well, you don't ever want the hype to be on them one relay. And then there are four different girls or some similar, let's say in a four by 200 or this time the mixed relay. And there's not that much hype on that. Yeah. So everything needs to be really equal. And we have to remember, and even though while it's not equal and we can say that, that that's the word that it is. It's like the word of hype. It's like the word trend. It's like the word fashion. All of that stuff is fast moving. And I always laugh when you hear things, oh, this is on trend right now. This is on point. I'm like, you know, I love the colour orange and it's always on because I love it and I own it. <laughs> um, so I think it's just those words then again as well. So, yeah, you and I are both in agreement on that. About Michael Andrew not getting vaccinated for anyone who isn't aware, the US uh, star swimmer Michael Andrew opted not to get vaccinated before heading to Tokyo. He cited a few different reasons, but one of them was not wanting to put anything foreign in his body that close to the games without knowing. And let's be honest, we all don't know actually what, what it does. We, we get told, but you know, then we just nod our heads. And say, oh, okay. Uh, you know, Michael Andrew saying no to the jab, like it, don't like it. Oh, you're opening up. This is a big question, isn't it? Um, I would say that I agree with him, but then there's another part that also disagrees as well. And I think it's really hard to answer a question like that when we still don't know the total facts of it all. And I think that will come out in years to come as well. But one thing I would say would probably more like is not necessarily the decision he's made, but how he's 
been strong enough to come out and say that for himself. And he's like, hey, these are the reasons. And you've got to remember as well, with these athletes, whether it be Australian or American, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. But not only that, they have now, because of becoming so fast, they are a well-recognised person. And so they've got to keep some type of privacy to themselves if they have some good wisdom and discernment about them. So he might be citing those reasons, but for all we know, it could be something completely different that might come out in the media. So I'm very careful to answer questions like that and measured in my answers because um, he definitely will be copying some flack massively. And it's not just the articles that would be written. He might have rubbed teammates the wrong way. People might actually choose not to clap, let's say, when he wins. I'm just going to extremes here. Yeah. But it takes a bold person to stand up and be strong enough in their own answer. So for that, I admire the decision that he's made for himself. Absolutely. I think even overnight we heard uh, one of the European swimmers has tested positive for COVID, so he's been pulled straight out of, out of the village and I don't even think he's, he's going to be able to compete now. So yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting game from that perspective. Bobby and I were even talking about, you know, we've got all these predictions and who's in the final. They might not even be in the final because all of the people we mentioned might be out. Totally, totally. And I mean, even us being able to, and I'm so, so grateful that you asked me. So thank you for being on this podcast. I'm so excited because my husband and I actually were both supposed to be over in Tokyo. We were going over there. We were both working over there. And literally last year, we just sat down and with our four children, I think Thomas started the conversation and said, this is a big thing if we go over. We booked the accommodation. We'd, we'd had our points. We were flying over there. We got our work sorted. And Thomas said, you know, Japan, as we knew, started going into state of emergency, which has just happened again now beforehand as well. And Thomas said, if we're stuck over there and we can't get back, it's not just the work in the Olympics. Mm. It's also our family and our four children as well. So yeah. we actually, we feel really blessed that we made that decision. And I've got to say a huge thank you to to everyone. You know, Tokyo was amazing. Uh, we got our hotel refunded. Qantas were amazing. They did all of that. And so now um, we're both actually working from here. And um, as serendipitous as it is, I'm talking to you. So, yeah. you know, it's all worked out. And I think COVID will definitely make the Olympics as such different to anything that we've seen before. However, for the innocent eyes, like our children who have never actually seen an Olympics on TV, they're just going to be focusing on what the athletes do. It's more the, the the ones like us, all of us who are kind of over their 20s who understand what a crowd does for atmosphere and ambience. And I think they'll be the two things that the athletes feel more than the viewers do through the TV room. Absolutely. You've got to feel for the for the Japanese swimmers. You know, they've, they've got at home games, they get to walk out and they're, they're not going to get that sort of rock star reception which i mean it has to be that way for safety reasons we know but yeah it is very unfortunate um last one ariane to make her mark against katie ledecky in tokyo like it don't like it i like it she is hungry and she is fiercely ferocious she is a warrior woman and a queen i have been actually following her uh, her movements and her rise from four years ago and i just looked at her and i thought she is something special Nothing to do with Ledecky, but herself. This is a great opportunity just for her just to step up and say, hey, here I am. This is her first Olympics and she's just going to go out and absolutely nail it. Absolutely. I'm pumped. I've got to be honest, as a fan of swimming anyway, and as you know, I've obviously got a podcast, so I'm a, I'm a fan of swimming, <laughs> not just a coach, but 
um, you know, the races coming up are, are just so exciting. That's why I'm more excited that I actually get to sit at home and, and be a part of it and watch it. Um, now, Elka, you are obviously one of the few fortunate Aussie swimmers to have had a home games in Sydney 2000 here. And we just heard yesterday the words, the winner is Brisbane, which hey, is God. massive uh, and huge for, for Australia and Queensland. How excited are you for Brisbane 2032? And give us an insight just for those younger athletes who are looking forward now. They're saying, oh, well, I could go to that, that home games. What can they look forward to if they get to have a home Olympic Games? Oh, just the fact that, I mean, Australia comes together so, so well. And I know that sounds like such a cliche, but it was like that in Sydney as well, that there is going to be so much movement happening in Brisbane. You know, there's such amazing pools there. It's in our country that all of these young children, your beautiful daughter will be part of that. She's going to be, you know, 12 years of age. Who's to yeah. say that she can't be part of it by standing up on the stage at the opening ceremony? You know, what you what you speak and what you see, you visualise on and I'm I'll get so her, I'll get her to start singing, Elka, so we can get her doing the whole Nikki Webster thing and just flying totally. around. Yeah, well, do you good. know what's really funny? <laughs> Last night we taught our children and we were just, Thomas and I were absolutely thrilled. We yeah. were so excited. I mean, the crazy thing was, you know, we remember watching Jan Samaranch, you know, and he said the winner is Sydney. And do you remember like that yeah, video? Yeah. Like, I still get Nuts. goosebumps and up, hugging, kissing these grown men, embracing each other. And then last night, like everyone had the COVID mask on. John Coates is there, Anastasia's there, and they're just, their hands are up, but no one can hug. And everyone's got, it was a different, <laughs> it was a different vibe, but it yeah. didn't mean that we couldn't hug and cheer here in our own room. I've loved looking at all the press this morning. I'm so excited. We're talking about this and you make your podcast to the now on time. And and um, relevant because I wondered today, I was like, are you going to bring up Brisbane? Do it. So yeah. thank you. Um, so this is fresh for everyone happening. It just literally just got announced that mm. Brisbane will be hosting our Olympics, which is just so phenomenal. So our eldest wants to be on the stage. Mm -hmm. to be a singer and a dancer. So that's how she's going to contribute to the Olympics. Our son wants to play rugby sevens. Our other son um, wants to make the Olympics for breakdancing. Now that just got included in the 2024 Olympics and our four-year-old told us that she wants to be a ninja warrior. So look, that hasn't been included in yet, but you never know, come Brisbane it might. But I love that all four of them wanted to do their own thing and wanted to make the Olympics for their own special cause. And particularly for our 11-year-old daughter, I thought, how amazing she could still call herself an Olympian. She is part of the opening and closing ceremony. But I said to her, and that is her thing, singing and ballet, I said, mm. but it's still going to be a tight process. They're not just going to pick anyone. They might pick 24 people in all of Australia, so you need to be one of the best singers and one of the best dancers. So it's it raises the bar of expectation. Brisbane will be so excited. It's mm. hope and happiness in a time that we really need it. And I am, you know, for Thomas and I will be extra special this time to actually sit back and, and watch it and to think in, you know, 2000, 32 years beforehand, we've been competing. It's mind-blowing. It's so exciting. It is very, very exciting. Um, even for myself as a coach, you know, you want to be trying to get some athletes in and around it. Even if we don't, I'm still going to be, be there and, and want to be a part of it and just sit in the crowd and, as you said, soak it up. Who knows? Podcasts might take off by that. I might be commentating on that. I might be on the side. Totally. Of the well, so, so say it and go for it. Why can't you? Do you know what I mean? That's the most exciting thing and well, technology okay. will change so fast and so much. If you want to be there, you'll be there. You know, I thought about it. Uh, I don't know if I'd be a great commentator because I get way too excited. So I'd be like those <laughs> European commentators who are just yelling random things and just holding very long, long, long sounds. I don't think I'd, uh, you know, Ray Warren, I am not. 
but you just need to be you and yeah, that in it. itself is wonderful <laughs> hey i love it the prayer thank you very much now you were 19 in sydney i think if, if my mass is correct so still fairly young we know that the team environment is really important between experienced and inexperienced athletes who did you look to in Sydney um, for, for sort of guidance with that team dynamic? Obviously, we, we know that there was some some really, you know, Kieran Perkins, Susie O'Neill. Uh, who did you look to? Yeah, it's great. Well, um, you're pretty much so on the money there. I turned 19 just after the Olympics finished. So September was the Olympics and then I was 18 and then 19 in October when it was all over and we're doing a lot of partying and enjoying it as an 18, 19-year-old. Um, you know, Susie and I actually bonded and became really, really lovely, lovely friends. I'd always looked up to her um, through training camps. Again, what a lot of people don't see is all the camps and who you room with and that's how your bonds are formed. And Susie and I really did. We'd shop together, eat together, train together. Um, she just almost mentored me without realising it and I, I just couldn't believe I remember, you know, some things and you go, oh, I can't believe I said that. When I talk to my friends, you know, if you're talking to someone, you'll be like, hey, I'm out with Thomas or I'm doing this with Elka or Sally or Sue, but I would always be like, oh, Susie O'Neill and I are, you know, you have to drop the last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, we formed a great bond and we caught up lots after the Olympics. I'd go to her house, she'd come down to Sydney. So that was really, really beautiful. Um, Gosh, Liesl Jones. I felt like Liesl Jones and I were, you know, two of the youngest. There was a young 14-year-old who had just won a silver medal and was finding her feet, and I felt like equally I was as well. So I remember we would walk a lot to the food court together. Grant Hackett has always just been, you know, regardless of what transpired, but the way that he always just seems to re-shift and refocus and reset himself he was always a leader, always a leader in the team and always had time for everyone. Um, yeah, and he's just one of those people, if I walk down the street now, we just give each other the biggest hug and just time would stop and we'd catch up for a coffee. He's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Gian Rooney and I, G and I are still friends. We've actually become really good friends once swimming's over. We obviously competed a lot against each other. And whilst there was beautiful, friendly rivalry, you were never going to always room together. <laughs> um, Brooke Hansen, another one, beautiful, had a lot of time with her through 2004 Olympics. So I'm mm -hmm. kind of moving between Sydney and Athens here for you. And it's really funny as well. Um, Chris Feidler, Brett Hawke. I mean, there are so many of them, Marika Gura. Um, yeah. And all of them you might not see. Some of them we you keep on touch just through social media um, and others you do really make a conscious effort to keep up with. So just recently for the Adelaide trials, it was just so lovely, for example, to see Dawn Fraser again, just mm. to get a hug from her. I'm still in awe of Dawn Fraser. And she remembers everybody's name and to see all the coaches again and you think they look at you going, wow, you're a woman now and a mother and they used to coach you and you're like yeah grown up mm. and matured um so it's it's very very special like that and i that's i am you know there are 3988 olympians in australia that call themselves olympians and it's i love it for the word that you can be a former spouse a former worker a former coach a former lover a former boyfriend you can be former whatever but grammatically you can never be a former olympian you are always an olympian and that's always resonated really strong in me and it's um it's not until i have moments like this to talk about it and think hey it's it's pretty cool <laughs> mm. well i think not even just a two-time olympian uh, you know i think it's a big effort to make one games uh, i think going to two games is massive so 
Uh, I always think, don't forget the numbers ahead of the, don't just call him two-time Olympian. That's what I'd add to it. Yeah, well, um, that's with my husband. He he kind of shows off. He went to four. So. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't want to we add him. We should swap. Like next Thursday, he can podcast you with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm open to it. Um, now, obviously, this is an Olympic special chat that we're having. Um, but you know, your, your amazing career, I can't go past, obviously, you know, 2002 was a pretty big year for you individually, Pampax, uh, and, and Com games medals, I think bronze in Manchester. Um, I think you touched equal with Patria Thomas in that one. Also in, uh, Yokohama, you got a silver just ahead of Gian, as you mentioned there, you two always racing together. How do you look back on those years of your career? Cause obviously you had some great success in the relays and, and I'm going to mention that in a second, cause obviously you enjoyed that team aspect as well. Individually, though, you, you did have success as well. How do you look back on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I, I remember sitting with my coach after Sydney 2000 and I was ranked 72nd in the world for the 200 freestyle. And whilst that's, I guess, a pretty good number, top 100 in the world, there was one number that every athlete wants. And so we just put our heads down. So the following year, yeah, setting the fastest time in the world in the 200 freestyle was amazing it also wasn't a shock because it was privately obviously what my coach and I were going for but there's always a big step up I remember watching back some plays of hearing someone say when I won the silver and bronze in um, the Commonwealth Games in Manchester this is a big step for Elka Graham because it's the first time she's individually medaled Mm -hmm. so and that was really big and it, it does put you on the world map in terms of that but then it's also the consistency in holding that through so yes pan packs world cups um, world champs and and following all of that through and whilst it's so amazing having so much success with realize it's also important as a swimmer and as an athlete as well you you want to be there individually as well and show your strengths as well because we've all got them and equally we've all got our our weaknesses as well and one thing that we really worked on and that I just loved and it was the typical pool deck talk for every swimmer but coaches would know as well was that I was always known as either being a negative splitter so coming home faster in my second half of my race and always having a strong finish and it's it's those things that you say hey that's that's great that was my strength and that's what I worked at Uh, other athletes would be the best off the blocks or the fastest turners or the best at their skills and you know when you get into the groove of a sport and in this case swimming, everyone had their little niche of what they were really great at. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful career of both individual and, um, relay medals as well, but for the public to know as well, it wasn't a click in the fingers for a relay sport. You had to fight to stay in that spot. Mm. And whilst you were friends with all the teammates, if anyone wanted to step up and challenge you, even though you had your spot, but they felt like they could be faster, then fair enough, the coaches gave them that opportunity. So you always had to be on your game. Well, you you know, you came through, as I said earlier, in a golden era. So it was definitely a fight for those spots. I mean, there wasn't any, you weren't racing any mugs around you. You know, there was in 2000, obviously you had Susie O'Neill. She was from the 200 as well. And, you know, then as you got through with Gian and Patria and. Yeah, it was, look, it was amazing. And I think then kind of as I was just finishing my career, you had the likes of Libby Trickett coming through, um, the Camden Kate and Bronte Campbell coming through, um, you know, so it's it goes in its waves and flows and that's what makes it exciting. There's no better era than another era. Mind you, I, I did feel like I feel really blessed, you know, not having social media then. I've just, everything was simple. We just train hard. Um, God rest, beautiful John Talbot, you know, as crazy as he was, he was just 
such a coach that inspired me and I think that's something that we always need to remember now moving into sport to make sure that you have a coach of not only character and reputation because there's a big difference you know a reputation is what other people think you are whereas your character is what you stand for so when you have someone that's a coach that just loves you inside and outside of the pool as well and is a trainer and a mentor and someone that you can go around to their house and have dinner with and 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 inspire and be inspired from them outside of the pool as well and I think that's where I got to to a point of um, knowing that I was bigger than the black line and knowing that God had given me a talent to swim fast, so it's literally from him, but it also then set up a platform now for, for media and for work as well. Mm-hmm. So just to remain humble and remember that, as my parents would say to me and still say to me, no matter what I won, you know, mum would say, congratulations, Elka, and then she'd say, but, you know, you never know, somewhere around the world there might be a girl that is faster but might not have been able to have the opportunity to get to the competition. Mm. And she never meant it in a... It was just a humbling way of saying you were the best today. So yeah. you have to wake up to fight to be the best tomorrow as well. Yeah. I love it. Well said. Now, obviously, I'm conscious of time here because I know you're, you're busy today and you've got lots of different interviews coming up. So I'm going to jump to my next question, which is I want you to talk to me about, I mentioned it in the opener, um, queenhood. Um, obviously, you're doing some commentary as well, some you know guest speaking. You've done TV and stuff, juggling it all, being a mum. Talk to me about queenhood for starters and then also talk to me about what else you're doing these days. Cool. Queenhood has started in 2016. So it's a dream team of women. So it's uh, not about equality and it's not about feminism. It's literally about not comparing but actually caring more. So we have an online platform that I started and it actually started from being with our amazing pastors. And one night our pastor said to my husband, if you want to be a king, don't hang around court gestures you want to hang around kings. And I got in the shower in 2015 and I thought, I want to be around queens. And what's a queen? A woman that is wise and is worthy and she knows who she is. And I'm not just saying this for women, but for men as well, you will meet people and there's something about them and it's so rare, but they're secure. They're secure in who they are and they're not boastful or proud or arrogant or egotistical but they just know who they are. And that's amazing. So I wanted to be around women. And I launched in 2016 about women who could talk, who weren't afraid to talk about their failures. And often then you find those are the women that are older and more mature because they're like, hey, I did this in my 30s. It totally flopped. Whereas nowadays, particularly in social media, people don't want to tell you they've started a business and it hasn't gone well. Yeah. Instead of, well, hold on, what did you try? So, look, it's an online platform. We write great stories and content, but not only that, four times a year we have events Mm -hmm. that's held a different spot. I have three speakers. There's no one. I don't believe in famous and I don't believe in celebrities. I think that every woman and every person has a story to share. And so three women will get up and we'll talk about uh, three different topics, 10 minutes each. So it's not your standard keynote speech and you're relating to every single woman there in the room. We have a dance. We have some fun. And we literally talk some wisdom Mm. and I've absolutely loved it. Um, The feedback's been wonderful. It's had great um, traction. And, but more than that, it's it's something that my daughters and my sons can see as well, that um, you never know who you're touching on any given day. And, you know, a quick example is, you know, like the Bible, you know, he talks about not leaving not taking care of the 99 sheep, but looking after the one. And that could be the same for you coaching as well. There just could be that kid that you know might never, ever make it, Mm. 
but he's coming to squads because maybe home life isn't the best. And yeah. that encouragement you give him, you never know because children will never tell you how much they look up to you. So it's those moments of influence and impact. Absolutely. Very well said. Um, and to your point, yeah, I think uh, a lot of coaches, a lot of the better coaches, I think that's why they are the better coaches because they do think like that rather than just focusing on the very best child and saying, well, this kid's going to get me to the Olympics, uh, you know, to, yeah. to a and, fault. And that's, pressure, and that's pressure in itself and it's not the yeah. most uh, healthiest of pressure. No, 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 absolutely not. Now, I'd like to finish our chats always with a little bit of fun. So I wanted to ask you some questions all about the Olympics. I promise they're not too hard. So I'll throw the question out there and you just chuck out the answer back to okay. me. So there's only, what have I got here? Four. It's not that hard. It's all right. And we'll wrap it up with some Fingers fun. crossed. Here yeah. we go. Yeah, you'll be fine. You've, you'll, you'll nail it. Who are the flag bearers for Australia in Tokyo? Patty Mills and Kate Camblin. Yeah, there you go. See, already killing it. Uh, give me two brand new sports that we'll be watching at the games this year. Skateboarding mm-hmm. and um, mixed relays. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not really a new sport. It's a new event, but that's okay. I'll give it to you. You well, could have yeah, went with surfing, karate, sports, climbing. I think baseball and softball are back. They got cut from them. Yes, that was on yesterday. We got smashed but they did the best job they could and well done for them becoming an olympic sport absolutely back in the game and as you said there's there's more uh sports to come since we're talking about ones that are back give me some sports that have been removed from the program over the years oh (gasps) so now you're just showing off um that have been just showing removed. off my Google skills, really. I didn't actually know these. <laughs> no, well, enlighten me then. Teach me then. <sighs> croquet. So I don't know why we're not seeing more croquet. That would have been <laughs> just bloody. That would have gone gangbusters. Um, tug of war. Uh, that would have been great as well to watch. This Look- sounds like our kids are doing a research study on ancient Olympics. Tug of war yeah, sounds yeah. like ancient, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is back in the Greek days when they did it all in the nude. Um, dueling pistol shooting. Uh, and motorboating. I, did, I didn't know motorboat. And this isn't the dirty, this is like proper in your boat driving. <laughs> you know, the boat. as soon as you said that, I thought about the wedding crashes. I, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the last one is we have three swimmers from Australia going into Tokyo, ranked number one for their events. Who are they? Uh, they are Emma McKean, mm. Ariana, and. Taylor McEwen in the backstroke. So it's Kaylee McEwen in the backstroke. You are correct. Yes. Uh, Elijah Winnington is going in in the 400 as well, uh, ranked number one. Uh, Emma McKean is going in fastest as well. And Ariane, yes. So actually, I got it wrong. I didn't put uh, Emma McKean. There were four. There you go. You've schooled me. Elijah Winnington, that is great. Great to know. Um, I obviously start... um, all of my work for Tokyo starting tomorrow morning with the yep. ARN across the Australian radio network. Um, and as much as it would be so fun just concentrating on swimming, it's actually a fact sheet on all <laughs> the sports and all the athletes. Yep. So I'm going to do this back to you now. You probably haven't happened to this to you. How Effort. many sports are there in the Olympics? Oh, God damn. There'd be a lot. <laughs> uh, over the two weeks. Oh, give me a rough, give me a, is okay, it's a, between 25 and 35. Okay. They, well, it's going to be higher. So I'd say 31. Oh, so close. Okay. So there are 33 Olympic sports and 50 disciplines. 
yeah, there's a lot of sport going on and we're adding yeah, more and you know and why I know all of this? Because we've been doing the project with our year one boy. Isn't this funny? So I've got one more for you. Yeah, go. How many countries compete in the Olympics? So you can do this next time you do a podcast. These can be your next questions. <sighs> yeah, you know the worst thing about these questions, though, Elka, is as yep. much as we have fun, I actually think the people listening always go, like from my end when I ask you these questions, because you always hear people like, it's silence because I see you thinking and then I can yep. hear everyone at home like, oh, they don't know. And Hurry this up. Is, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. And that's me buying time because so I don't there are know. Two, there are 206, 206 oh, okay. countries competing and yep. that obviously changes as well. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing, hey. But this time around, fun fact that every single person every morning has to spit into a test tube to get COVID tested. So, know. you know, there's going to be a lot of stories about that and I think, that's the final point really isn't it to make sure that we remember the most important thing that the olympic games does is it brings together every single country and it's not just friendships and trying to be the best and doing your best and winning but it's about bringing peace together as well and it's it's that one time that everyone does stop and everyone just comes together through sport and i think that's the magic thing and it goes back to what you were saying about Australia and Brisbane winning these Olympic Games in 2032 because we are known, like literally sport runs through our blood here in Australia. And I think that's what's going to make it such another great Olympics here in our hometown. Very, very well said, Elka. And, you know, to your point, yeah, this is going to be Olympics like no other. We hope we never see an Olympics like it again. Yes. You know, these poor people having things shoved up their nose every day. And, oh, have you had many COVID tests? Just have you had any COVID tests? Yeah, just just two. Um, oh. And, look, they've been, they've been fine. Uh, Didn't make you cry? I cry All every good. time. You cried, did you say? Yeah, well, not intentionally, but it just makes my eyes water. And then they're like, cry. are you okay? I'm like... Well, you, you made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you wait. And even though you know you think you're good, you're pretty positive, you still wait for that text message or them to ring you. <gasps> okay, negative. Okay, phew, great, good. Oh, yeah, there's people with no symptoms and they're like, oh, I might have it. No, you're fine, mate. Don't worry about it. You're all yeah. good. All right. Now, I think it's a perfect time to wrap it up. As I said, I know you've got some uh, some other chats to get to, so I don't want to keep you from them. Elka, thank you very much for coming on, having a chat about your amazing career, but also helping me preview the Olympics coming up. It's an exciting time. Um, I'm happy to have had you on the podcast and hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. No worries, Elka. Thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Oh, that was so much fun. I really, really appreciate it. I just want to-